Thank you, David. So I had graduated from college and felt like the Lord had called me back to the college campus, been blessed and moved by InterVarsity, a pair church organization on campuses, so I was a student leader, but then I was moving to uh, uh, become a staff worker, and I had the sense that um, I needed to really up my game in terms of my prayer life, not only uh, stepping into this full-time ministry, but also what I really wanted to do was be a good model for, for the students that I was going to be leading. I'd never considered myself um, really gifted in prayer, right? I, uh, I love reading scripture. I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a learner. I love to read. I hear God's voice in scripture. So oftentimes it was easy for me to have a, a daily habit of reading scripture. But that prayer thing, right? I never felt like it was life-giving. You know, I look at some of our prayer leaders of our community of faith, which we have wonderful, gifted folks like Pete and like Veda and like Kurt. And I see them and I thought, maybe I'm just supposed to read scripture. But I know we're all called to pray. It was Martin Luther that, that said to be a Christian without prayer is to be alive without breath. This doesn't work. Whether we're gifted or not, we're, we're called to pray. So, I bought myself a journal. I still have that very same journal. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I am going, I got out my little ruler. This was many years ago. And I did seven days of the week. And I put family and friends I, I put my concerns, all of that, and I was going to just weigh in every day with these particular folks, and I was going to do it, and then I was going to journal and write about it. I, I, was, I was ready. I got on campus. I, I got the prayer journal. How successful was I? I failed miserably. In fact, I would say two things that really caused me to stumble was busyness and boredom. Is that okay? Will you think less of me if I say that? Right? So, I, you know, it, to one degree, it was really exciting on the campuses that I was serving and spending a lot of time with the students and uh, helping them grow in their relationship with God. So it was exciting. I felt almost too busy, and if I'm honest, I was a little bored in prayer, and I, and I didn't feel like I was making a difference, and so just really a, a couple of months, I, I, I put this on the shelf and just read scripture and, and prayed. Don't you really want to hear a message on prayer from me now? That's the passion of that. Thankfully, that was several years ago. And slowly, ever so slowly, as I asked, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. As I asked you all to pray to the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. 
partly thinking about this series that we've been in and some of those key lessons like a couple of weeks ago with Pastor Jedediah looking at Revelation 8 and seeing the throne room of God and actually seeing our prayers in the throne room and being cast to the earth and going, wow, like, that's in Scripture, that our prayers are making a difference, huge and, and significant. Him talking about those prayers leading to, to intimacy and alignment and intercession. And then last week, seeing that picture of Jesus entering into the, the temple courts and clearing the temple and declaring, this is the place of prayer. And significantly, meaning that you your lives, your soul is a place of prayer. This morning in the final week, what I'd like us to do is look at two people in, in prayer. You would turn with me to Acts chapter 10. And this is from the early church and we're going to look at one that was just introduced, this character Cornelius, just introduced to us in Acts chapter 10. And then we're going to also look at, at Peter, that God is at work, that God has an agenda, and he decides to use two different individuals that were in prayer to accomplish his purposes. It's a rather long story, probably meaning that it's very significant. I would encourage you to read both uh, chapters, Acts chapter 10 and 11 later, maybe today or this week, and, and take in. But we're going to approach it from a perspective of prayer. So as we read, just be mindful of these two individuals and what their prayer lives look like. Starting in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who, had, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Meanwhile, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet 
being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then the voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I would love to continue the story. It's awesome. It's beautiful. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the significance of the story and the church. But what I really would like to do is approach this story, as probably many of you have read before, but from this perspective of prayer and see what lessons the Lord might have for us about our prayer life, because I believe he delights in that prayer, Lord, teach us to pray. And I want to talk about three things just this morning that have really helped me as I have thought and understood and, and shifted me and helped me to grow again ever so slowly in my life of prayer. And the first is this. That prayer, as I began to approach prayer more relationally than ritualistically, I began to grow. A little bit more relational rather than what I, I would call, oftentimes I was approaching it as duty-bound. That list, I had a sense of, of duty now, obviously, Cornelius was much more devout than I was, yes? And yet, I, I, I saw it as something, God, I, I need to do this, I've, I've got to do this every day, and, and so I tried to really focus in. And then at the same time, I saw it a little bit more transactional, like, God, if I, if I pray this, this is what I'm expecting for you from you. And if I do this, this is what I'm expecting from you. So that was a little bit of my approach in that. There was a significant moment when I began to turn and understand a little bit that God was calling me to a more relational aspect of God. Now, interesting thing about Cornelius is that Cornelius is very devout and we can assume that God, that he didn't, had never heard of the name Jesus or at least didn't understand its significance. But we see God bless him in this way. We see this, this Cornelius is devout, is pious, is devoted, he's earnest. In fact, it says he was fearing the Lord. Perhaps he didn't have that personal relationship with the Lord. And yet God blesses how he handled his wealth. Did you notice that? He said, I, I'm going to bring my wealth to you. And I'm going to be generous for those in need. He also, the way he handled his time, that word regularly. Did you notice that? Make a mental note. Did, did you notice what time Peter was praying, or uh, Cornelius was praying? Did you notice? Three o'clock. Maybe insignificant, but hold on to this idea. One of the things that strikes me is that Cornelius doesn't have a personal relationship with God, and yet he's shaped his life 
around fearing the Lord. That, that he's, he's Italian, he's living as a soldier, right? He's got responsibility, probably at least a hundred men. He was advising and directing and guiding, and yet he takes and shapes his life to regularly take his time and his wealth to honor God with these things. I think that's particularly convicting to me that here I'm someone who has a relationship with the Lord Jesus, who knows Christ, and yet so often I fail and I allow other things to dictate my life. I allow other things, whether it's job, whether it's relationships, whether it's entertainment, I build those things into my life. I have rituals. And yet, those rituals aren't always in relation and connection to God. And I have this personal relationship with the one true living God inviting me into this time with him. And so often I'm looking at my phone. So often I'm excited more about that next episode in that new time that came out on Netflix. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes I'm I'm busy at work and I have responsibilities. Sometimes it's relationships and there. And yet I'm focused on other relationships besides the one relationship with the Lord. Cornelius, who doesn't even know the Lord, at least as how we would articulate it from a Christian perspective, He shaped his life around fearing the Lord. Let's look at Peter for just a moment. Peter, we know Peter, he was pretty passionate, he was pretty devoted. He was in relationship with the Lord. He walked with Christ for for three years. Christ ascended into heaven, but he had the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that the time that Peter was praying is also noted in scriptures? Did you see that? What time was that? It was about noon. Mental note, remember that. Peter has a vision like Cornelius, but Peter had something else that happens. Did you notice the voice of the Spirit speaks to Peter? Peter has a vision, and he's meditating on this. It's actually a little bit later. We didn't quite get to the story. It's in verse 19. If your Bibles are open, look at that verse. It says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him. And the Spirit was going to say something challenging. Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. There was this dynamic 
of Peter recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. He says, oh, wait, these are Gentiles, Lord. Go. And I want you to notice something else in the story. We didn't quite get to it in the story, but Peter's going to go into Cornelius' house as the whole family gathered around and Peter is preaching and listen to what happens while he's preaching. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came and all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. Friends, Cornelius is living in such a way that he's shaped his life around his his, uh, devotion to God. And now the Lord says, I'm going to introduce him to my son. I'm going to fill him with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to speak to him. In fact, I'm going to use this Peter who's praying regularly. I'm going to allow him to introduce him to Jesus and my spirit. And here's a second piece that's going to sound a little bit contradictory to you but I hope it makes sense by the end, is that one of the key lessons is that I've gone from scattered prayer and infrequent frequent prayer to regular rhythms of prayer. So part of what he was doing was pulling me away from empty ritual and introducing me to a relationship with him And then now he's led me back to embrace ritual to a certain degree that's filled with relationship. That's grace filled in these rhythms of prayer. The the world doesn't really like this idea of ritual, especially religious ritual, yes? And so we reject that. We don't want to be legalistic, especially those who are filled in the spirit, the the charismatics. They don't want any of that. And yet what's interesting is we see God bless both Cornelius and Peter in these rhythms of faith. In fact, it was Jewish practice that oftentimes those people that were seeking to honor God with their lives, they would punctuate their lives with prayer. They would form their lives around their relationship with God. Not empty ritual, but with rhythms of grace. Listen to the story of Daniel. Many of you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. He got set up by the secular leaders. They, they couldn't find a weakness for Daniel, but that, you know what they knew? They knew he prayed three times a day. And they said, that's how we're going to get him. That's how we're going to get him. 
We're, we're going to set it up where no one can pray for the next 30 days except to our king, who is, you know, actually a god, right? So no, you can't pray to any other god. It's an edict, and you'll be thrown in the lion's den if you violate. Do you know what Daniel did? He hid in the corner. He closed the curtains. No, he did not. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he has done before. Would you think about David? David was a, not only a warrior, but a man of prayer, worshiping. He said this, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Billy Graham said this, true prayer is a way of life, not just for us in cases of emergency. Make it a habit, and when the need arises, you will be in practice. You will be in practice. Friends, I believe that the enemy has done, he's worked over time to distract us from prayer. He has built, part of what I was struggling with when I started, I wanted to up my game in prayer, is he wanted me here, and yet out here ended up being a distraction. Today, not only out here can be a distraction, but now the internet is a huge distraction. Entertainment. And I am convinced, friends, that one of the things that the Lord is doing and has been doing in this time of pandemic is he's calling his church back to prayer. He's inviting us to say, Nothing without prayer. He, he's saying, listen, this is, this is crucial. If you want to see, if you want to have me join you in your life, if you want to have this, then, then this necessary right here, whatever distractions, whatever struggles are here, would you bring them to me? Right here, if you want to see me move and, and work in powerful ways, it's got to start here. And as I've learned, as I mentioned last week, again and again, there's some things that I'm recognizing that aren't necessarily evil in and of themselves. And yet at the same time, God is calling me to let go. That he's inviting me to shape my life not around my work, not around ministry, not about relationships, but to shape my life around the most important relationship I have, and that's with Jesus Christ. And so what I'm, partly of what I'm saying to you is 
I want to invite you into this relational rhythms of grace. Not ritualistic, not empty ritual. Not simply because of duty or, or guilt. Not because you're a Christian and a pastor told you you have to pray. But because of this vibrant relationship where life will flow from this connection. That life will... Peter had figured it out. In fact, Peter was praying. We see him earlier in the book of Acts where he's praying at 3 o'clock. Uh, uh, many think that the time of prayer was 9, 3, and at dusk for the rituals. Why was Peter praying at noon? We don't really know. He just wanted to be with Jesus, I guess. He didn't want to wait until 3. He was taking these times and punctuating his life with prayer and connection with God. I want to show, I, I, I know I'm a little bit of a Johnny One Note, but this is because probably this one spiritual discipline has shaped my life of prayer more than any other spiritual discipline. I have the reading of the word of God is one, and then praying the Lord's prayer is number two. You have this in your bulletin right here, and I want you to take a look at this time. So when the disciples approached Jesus and they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? What did he say? He didn't say, I have an acronym to Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving. That would have been good. That would have been fine, right? He didn't go back to the prayer of Jabez. He could have done that, right? But he didn't do that, right? What did he say? He gave the Lord's Prayer. And I'm convinced that he didn't mean us for, to simply recite the Lord's Prayer, but to approach the Lord's Prayer relationally and even allow it to shape the rhythms of grace in our lives. So I began praying each morning and I began taking the Lord's Prayer and approaching it as a topic of conversation with the Lord. Does that make sense? So I began to take the first line of that prayer. You all know it. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is that a prayer of? That's a prayer of adoration. That's reflecting on God's character and who he is. Now, I've gotten into this rhythm of, of prayer walking. I've got two puppies that have to get out energy. They think this walk is all about them. It's actually about the Lord. And so I begin walking, and I say, My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I listen 
And more often than not, I say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy that today is a new day. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you that you are the one true living God and you invite me to this place and relationship. I also pray adorations, prayer, prayers to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I try and be an equal opportunity prayer of adoration because I'm so thankful and more often than not I say, Jesus, thank you for being my good shepherd. Would you be my good shepherd today? Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the presence and the power of the living God in my life. That can go on for a couple minutes, go on for 30 seconds. And then I go to that next section that says, you know the second line of the Lord's Prayer, don't you? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I began to pray for his will, not mine. If there's healing and restoration, many dear friends and families that I've told I would pray for healing and restoration, it's in that moment that I pray for God's healing and restoration. Sometimes I hold things in prayer. I combined both of these sections. Pretty snazzy, huh? You can do it at the same time, right? Lord, what is your will regarding our denomination and where we're going? Would you speak to me? And then I get to the very short third line of the prayer. You know it. You're going to miss it. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you think he was just talking about physical provision? No. And I give him my daily activities in life, what, what I have planned. And I invite him into that provision of what I need. Lord, I, I need some wisdom because I'm meeting with this person. I'm unsure. Lord, I, I need this where I, I'm not sure. One more, I get to forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation, but no, I said it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I've shared before, this is the, my least favorite line. Because he's inviting me. So I ask the question, do I have anything in my heart towards anyone else? Any bitterness, any struggle? I want to give it to you. Forgive me. After I've done that and forgiven someone, then I ask for forgiveness of any sins I've committed. And then we get to the guidance. Lead us not into temptation. Often I pray them together, but deliver us from evil. I pray, Lord, would you lead us out of any trial that I'm in? I've been praying that he would lead us out of the pandemic almost every day. 
the temptation, been praying against spiritual attack. Now, can you imagine what this prayer has done to me as I've prayed it most mornings? It's changed my heart and soul. It's transformed my mind. It has led me to do things that I don't think I've wanted to do or would do. It's taken burdens and anxieties and fears off of my heart. It's directed me to things and people for conversations. And that's just what I know. What in the spiritual realm has been shifted and shaped and transformed because I've been filling the bowl, as Pastor Jed said a couple of weeks ago, right? Filling the bowl with these prayers and day after day. And I've done it not in a ritualistic way, which is what I think we've approached the Lord's Prayer with, but I've done it in a relationship way. And so every morning that I pray... There's a direction and what God, this is the, the, the third piece of the outline, which I, I want to mention because we're going to do this in just a moment. We're going to pray, but I want to mention this. The third thing that he taught me is to grow from personally led prayers to the Holy Spirit led prayers. that I began to ask the question, whose agenda should I follow in my prayer life? Who should provide the content of the prayer? Should it be mine or should it be the Spirit? Guess whose agenda I prefer? Mine, absolutely. Yes. Guess whose agenda is better? Spirit. Listen to the message. This is uh, Eugene Peterson. He translates. Um, he translates the the message um, in this way. This is Romans eight twenty six. He says this. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired and waiting, God's Spirit is right along helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition. I love that. He knows what we need or what others need. He he knew, what, um, he knew what Cornelius needed, what Peter needed. He keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working in something good. He's saying that the Spirit not only will teach us what to pray, He'll help us when we just lose the words to pray. Sometimes in my prayer walk, I get caught up on a particular line. Sometimes I get stuck. 
Lord, your, your kingdom come and your will be done. And I, I'm there, and then we're at the end of the walk, and I've got to get to work. You know what I do? I carry this with me throughout the whole day. And then sometimes I'll pick up a line here. Sometimes at 3 o'clock, coincidentally enough. I'll say, you know what? I'm going to pick up this next line of forgiveness. I've got to do that. And all of a sudden, my life has been moved from my agenda, my rhythms, my work, my relationships, to God's agenda, what he wants me to do in this day. Friends, what I'm trying to do this morning is give you the biggest gift of prayer that I think Jesus offered. If he changes the prayer, if he goes to prayer of Jabez, then I'll bring that one back up. But as long as he makes the, the, his prayer our prayer, would you receive this gift with me? Would you begin living corporately and individually. You know, oftentimes we pray, we have a prayer called, a, a prayer team, House of Prayer, and did you know that that House of Prayer met through the pandemic? Oftentimes through Zoom, but you have a, a small group of folks that have been praying for you and this congregation and of course the world. Did you know that they meet in a rhythms of grace that they would love to have you join them in these rhythms. Do you know that nine o'clock on Sunday mornings, they meet in this little prayer room, right? Up, we would love to have so many folks show up at nine that we have to move rooms. That would be awesome. I want you to hear that invitation. Also, David mentioned in announcements, Tuesday nights, we're, we're seeking to, to grow in the gifts of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit. We meet every other Tuesday, and we want to invite you to how beautiful would it be if we began this ground, the, the, this grassroots of a movement of people beginning to pray together. We'd look just a little bit more like the early church, would we not? What would it look like if as individuals, we not only were joining with one another in prayer, but we began every day to responding with the Lord's prayer conversationally? I think God would blow the roof off of this place. I think, God, I, I, I am convinced wholeheartedly that we are on this, this movement of the kingdom of God, that God is bringing and stirring and shaping, and he's brought many of you leaders here because he's at work in this way, and yet he's inviting us and he's saying, nothing without prayer. Nothing without prayer. Again, going back to that Martin Luther idea, 
a Christian without prayer is life without breath. It's got to be there if we want to see him move and heal and restore and transform in our lives and in this community and in this nation. It's got to be through prayer. All right, for the last couple minutes, I want us just to walk through together. I want to invite Jedediah up here in the worship team. I want to invite us just to this prayer, and we're going to do just a little bit of something. I want to invite you to pray out loud. If we cross over one another, that's a little bit okay, but... Would you keep those prayers into one-sentence prayers? And we're just going to do a couple of lines from the Lord's Prayer just to invite you into this space. So, Lord, we, we hear your invitation to be a people of prayer. Lord, we confess our distractions, our busyness, our priorities, our sin. Lord, would you teach us to be a people of prayer? Would you pray the first line of the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Would you just out loud, just a a prayer of adoration or praise, just a a one sentence, even a one word. King of kings, Lord of lords. Our good shepherd. Thank you for your presence and power. in your goodness.
a few more, those that you've got it right in your heart and soul, but you're not a public speaker. But just say it out. Just take a risk. Just worship him for something, a prayer of adoration. Can we stand together? By way of benediction, I'd like us to say the whole Lord's Prayer together. But we only did the first line. Would you carry the Lord's Prayer today with you? It can be with a friend. It can be with a spouse. You could say one of two or those lines together. It could be by yourself in your prayer closet. And you just pray that line together. Let's all hold our hands up. Say together the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you.